Hi, I'm Debbie Georges. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Trump's COVID crowds, Operation MAGA for everyone, and why denounce white supremacy. And then, of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Well, we had our last show last week on Thursday, and as everyone pretty much in the world has heard, President Trump and the First Lady were diagnosed as positive when they were tested as they routinely are for coronavirus. So we've had quite a weekend of adventure of the president moving over to Walter Reed Hospital in order to just as a matter of caution or precaution. So he's been functioning there pretty much normally holding, uh, working and giving short press conferences. But I wanted to talk about this Trump's COVID crowds thing and really in the context of moving forward in America, what this whole episode really might mean for President Trump and for America going to his now getting a positive test, a coronavirus test. To start with, the idea that the president is at, the, at Walter Reed Hospital in the presidential suite, which is a lovely, very, you saw if you saw in the news, very large, very lovely area. He's working away. He is uh, talking to reporters, issuing statements. He's really just conducting himself as president even though he is right now uh, under the quarantine with coronavirus. He's moving forward, acting like a president in many ways, including, I did not send this to, and I, by the way, we don't have Matt the Wonderful today. It's amazing. We're doing the show without Matt the Wonderful, but we have Derek the, the also wonderful who is helping out today. And so I wanted to just hit a couple of things about this coronavirus story in today's first five. Number one, there is a great uh, tribute to President Trump's just upbeat, positive, hardworking mode that he's going ahead and functioning very, very well. His chief of staff uh, had announced, uh, former Congressman Mark Meadows had announced the president might be returning to the White House today on Monday. He hasn't, at the, as the time we've gone to uh, start the show today, he hasn't been released in the hospital, but he is very active, very healthy, and, and doing very well, and just kind of working through it in the way probably many of you recall when you were growing up, and you had a cold or a little bit of a stomach bug. And there's a lot of the attitude of kind of just work through it. Don't just surrender and, and lie down in bed for a week, you know, kind of work through it, but take care of yourself. So he's getting regular attention from doctors. He has frequent reports are being made to the public by the doctors treating him at Walter Reed. And he's functioning perfectly well as president. So one thing I want to do is quick play a short clip I sent to Derek. This is one of the doctors. There was a, a lengthy report being given a press conference by the doctors at Walter Reed treating President Trump. This is one short clip I want to play for you. Uh, this was from yesterday's news conference from the doctors outside Walter Reed. Regarding his clinical status, the patient uh, continues to improve. Uh, he has remained without fever uh, since Friday morning. His vital signs are stable. Uh, from a pulmonary standpoint, he remains on room air this morning uh, and is not complaining of shortness of breath or other significant respiratory symptoms. He's ambulating uh, himself, walking around the White House medical unit without uh, limitation or disability. 
our continued monitoring of his cardiac, uh, liver, and kidney function uh, demonstrates continued normal findings or improving findings. Um, what I loved about that guy, in fact, all the doctors were doing this. They would start off by saying, what an honor it is for us to be here at Walter Reed Hospital treating the president. We're very grateful to be here, very positive. You just saw each of them as they stepped up, you know, just voluntarily, appearing, apparently voluntarily saying, you know, it's just such an honor, a privilege. We're happy to be here. We're happy to be treating the president. Very upbeat. Several of them indicating, you know, he's in good spirits. I always have to smile when the doctors use terms like self-ambulating. He goes, I mean, he's walking around on his, on his own, which is all they really meant. But there's a very, there's a strength in President Trump that is evident in the way he's handling even this. He follows the doctor's instructions. He shows up at the hospital and he's still conducting himself as president. I did not send all these tweets. President Trump has been tweeting from the hospital, and it's just a beautiful thing about his spunk, his spirit, his determination. So while in the hospital with coronavirus, and as you heard the doctor say, fever's gone, he's walking around, he's doing very well. Uh, in fact, I said, as I said, his chief of staff had said, suggested he might even get released today. But even while he's in the hospital, President Trump is tweeting things. There was a, a series of tweets, just single sentence tweets. Fight the corrupt fake news media, vote. Protect pre-existing conditions, vote. Better and cheaper health care, vote. Pro-life, vote. Massive regulation cuts, vote. Space Force, vote. Best VA ever, 91% approval rating, vote. He has 401k, vote. Biggest tax cuts ever, and another one coming soon, vote. I love this spirit. This is a man who says, I am present, I'm doing my job, and I'm going to listen to the doctors and do what they say, you know, I'm, I'm letting them take care of me here. But he's still on the mission about preserving America. And he's still, he understands exactly what's happening. He is through these tweets, of course, signaling to America. He's right on top of his game, wide awake, right on top of his game. There's a lot of controversy being uh, in discussion about the question of why all of a sudden so many very top officials inside President Trump's inner circle have now all been diagnosed or have had tests and tested positive coronavirus. Well, there's some speculation. Uh, why is it that all of a sudden, here we are a month before the election of November 2020, and we have all these top figures in the Trump White House testing positive coronavirus, They're going to, and of course, then they have to self-quarantine, they have to take care of themselves. I don't know if there's anything to the, to the um, conspiracy theory that maybe this was somehow intentional, that all these people came down with coronavirus at the same time. But even if it was, it's already backfiring because what the American people see out of President Trump is a man who is strong, he is tough, he does not want to have the, um, the coddling, sympathetic tone. And, and it actually, it, it, it increases American, the American people's perception. This is a strong leader. This is a guy who's going to work through this and get rolling. We'll talk later, I guess, more if there's more information that comes out about all the various figures uh, surrounding the president who have been diagnosed or have gotten a positive te test for coronavirus. But you don't see the flailing and moaning. You see people tough and still trying to do their jobs and take care of themselves. I don't know what exactly is going to happen uh, with the White House press secretary. Uh, she announced that she had tested positive. I'm not sure what she's going to happen. Many, what she's going to do, but many, including her and also the, the first lady, have said tested positive, feeling great, mild symptoms, no big deal, nothing getting worse. I'm doing fine. 
which I really think is going to be a great thing because part of what the American people will see out of this is that it begins to more and more expose how much we in America have overreacted to the coronavirus, how much we in America have allowed the coronavirus to shut down our country, shut down our businesses, cause people to lose businesses they had dedicated decades of their lives in building, cause families to lose homes, jobs, businesses, the, the entire uh, fabric of American culture and, and people functioning normally in society. All of that's been shut down since whatever you count as the beginning, March or so. And what you're now going to see coming out of Washington is all these people testing positive and all, you know, doing whatever they're supposed to do according to the doctors and still functioning and giving living proof to the American people that we have overreacted to the coronavirus. We have been played. We have been played by those who are using the virus, using this virus to push the leftist agenda, which is always and only what they're trying to do, which is to push the leftist agenda to somehow control the American people, to suppress the economy that President Trump built during the first three years while he was serving as our president to repress the spirit of the American people, to dampen the joy and opportunity and hope of the American culture. All of that was the goal of those who overreacted to the, the coronavirus, who engaged in the ongoing shutdown. I actually think the American people are going to emerge stronger as a, as a result of this. And one other quick point, closing out today's first five, there are people saying that the, uh, that, you know, the president would probably emerge from this and the term that became kind of trendy to say was he'll be, he'll be more humble. I don't buy that. And I want to tell you why I say that. When you, when people are saying, well, I guess it's kind of like a guess we showed him, guess he now, you know, and he says something like, you know, now I'm, I'm just kind of going about he, Trump is saying, yeah, it's kind of like I'm going to school, learning about this virus. Now the real school, I'm going through it. But the idea of being humbled is what the left is trying to say, that they want him to take the virus more seriously, to, shut, to be on board with the ongoing shutdown of America, to, to, not, um, to, to not give any credence to all of these tremendous therapies that are out there that doctors are using that are causing people to experience coronavirus without serious um, and long-term difficulties. We have, treat, we have treatments and therapies being offered by doctors around the country that are very successful. And when the left says they hope Trump emerges more humbled, what they mean is they hope he emerges more fearful and will continue to go along with their effort to shut down American society. Trump is not going to be humbled in that way. Trump may be more able to, to relate to the Americans who've gone through the virus or have lost loved ones to say, yes, it was a tough thing, but I think America is going to emerge stronger and he's going to emerge stronger. My hope is that President Trump emerges from this recognizing we have plenty of therapies that are working well, therapies he must have been told about uh, from the, his advisors, therapies that he's going to allow him to get through this, that allowed, as we talked about on the show before, uh, Congressman Gohmert got through with the, with the treatments and therapies he was using. I think it's going to help President Trump recognize we don't have to play along with the leftist shutdown America agenda. And we certainly don't have to play along with it until the famous vaccine, whenever it is finally ready, is developed. Because that this is my biggest hope out of this episode with the president, is he realizes we don't have to continue 
any sort of repression of the American people, repression of the economy, until we can have this, this vaccine come forward. America can get back on its feet now. America can get back on its feet economically, business-wise, and, and culturally, we can get rid of all of this unnecessary induced repression of the American people and come back stronger. That's the lesson I hope that President Trump really emerges with. It's not humbled. It's emboldened to come back and, and bring America back past this virus, past this, this shutdown that this, this, this virus has brought to America. I love his spirit. I will tell you that, and speaking of President Trump's spirit, Rudy Giuliani, who is uh, President Trump's longtime friend and his personal lawyer, also spoke to the president um, and had a quick little clip I asked Derek to be ready to play. This is Rudy Giuliani describing his conversation with President Trump. We had about a 35, 40 minute conversation. Some of it, of course, about his health. I was very concerned about him. I was very happy to hear his voice sounding exactly the same as I've known it for 30 years. And then uh, after we talked about his health, we started to talk about politics. <laughs> and he gave me a lot of notes to give to the campaign about what they should do and how they should do it. And even wrote out a kind of speech. Uh, I had to kind of get him off the phone. So we you know, went back and rested. And he, he did say uh, that he'd love to get out as quickly as possible. He feels like he'd go, he'd go out now. He said he felt So you got to love this. This is Giuliani basically saying he sounds like himself. I love that. Closing out the first five, I'll just say this. I am very, very, I wish no one ever got the coronavirus. I wish COVID-19 had never come here. I hope very much that we have the American government figure out what happened in China, who's responsible, whether it was deliberate or mistaken. I hope we get to the bottom of all of it. But we in America have been repressed. Our economy, our society, our people, our very functioning in America has been, and we've had an exaggerated response to the coronavirus, mostly in the hands of the Democrat governors in this country who saw an opportunity to dampen the economy, dampen the economic success in their states, to dampen the spirit of the American people, to shut down Trump rallies, shut down normal communication, shut down life. All of this, an exaggerated response to a virus which the CDC has acknowledged as of last week, 99 point, over 99% of every age group survives the virus. We are not talking, this is not the, uh, the bubonic plague. This is not people dropping in the streets. This was a novel virus. It was alarming in the beginning. We had, a little, we had unfamiliarity with how to deal with it. We had deaths almost all occurring in a population who already had pre-existing conditions such as obesity, diabetes, some sort of immune deficiency. People who already had pre-existing conditions were more vulnerable to it. But we as a country overreacted. And when the left figured out that we could overreact, we did find a way, they could find a way to keep our economy repressed. They jumped on, they kept it up. Particularly, particularly, I'll give a quick note, in Michigan, you've now had the Michigan Supreme Court tell Governor, um, I, I always want to think of a name for her, Governor Corella DeVille, Governor Whitmer, who has just been the most, among almost all the states, the most repressive, the most demanding, the most shut down, the most punishing of anyone who won't go along with every single one of her orders. She's been told by the Supreme Court of Michigan that her orders related to COVID-19 are unconstitutional under the Constitution of the state of Michigan. And she's still saying, doesn't care what the court says, she still wants to find a way to continue her shutdown. 
So I'm telling you folks, the, the goal, the beauty of all this, I don't wish anyone ever contract coronavirus. I would love to have the thing gone out of our country. I would love to have everybody healthy, but a good outcome for America out of this experience of President Trump and the vice president, excuse me, President Trump and uh, Melania Trump and other numerous high officials in the Trump administration coming into contact, testing positive coronavirus is going to be living proof in the eyes of the American people that this, that we have overreacted, that we have treatments available, therapies available that are working, and we do not have to keep the American people shut down for the foreseeable future. Time to, time to re-engage America, wake America up, get the economy rolling again. That's what the outcome and lesson can be from this experience. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. You know, well, there was a cool thing that happened. Uh, President Trump had a um, kind of a, a notice out that he wanted to have uh, have Operation MAGA, which is, of course, Make America Great Again. And the Operation MAGA idea, one reason I want to talk about this is, you know, he's talking about while he's doing the quarantine, what he has to do as president. But while he's doing that, he would like to have the American people. He is specifically asking, for example, Vice President Pence, who has again tested negative, uh, others who are have tested negative or not have not contracted the virus. Get out there, you know, be the campaign, be the Trump campaign in the next uh, two weeks while he is quarantining. You know, get out there, be active, speak for him. He's talking. He's calling it Operation MAGA, kind of putting into place the people who can get out there and do something on his behalf, people in his administration. But what I wanted to say, and my message for today is this Operation MAGA idea, it is something every single American should feel they've been recruited to be. Every single American who knows the importance of winning this election in 2020, who supports President Trump's agenda, we should all be part of Operation MAGA. It is a great, great way. It's, a, it's like a rallying cry. You be part of Operation MAGA. You get out there. You do something. You speak up. You stand up for the Trump agenda, for the freedom, the opportunity that pre the Trump agenda stands for. So Operation MAGA was his language about putting people out there, but there was kind of an Operation MAGA right out there in front of the Walter Reed Hospital. And this, I mean, this was just the coolest thing because it is not orchestrated. It is not paid for by some string puller like George Soros. This is American people who love and support President Trump showing up outside of the Walter Reed Hospital. And here you go with what they did outside the Walter Reed Hospital. Here you go. are just, they want to get out there and say, President Trump, we know you're in there at Walter Reed. We know you got a positive test. We love you. We're here. We want to show our support. So I'm going to tell you a few more stories about that. But by the way, someone just texted me to tell me that uh, President Trump has announced he's returning to the White House at 6.30 Eastern time today. And I think when he was tested positive was Thursday night or Friday night. I'm not sure which it was. So he's been at the hospital, I think since Friday. He's coming home Monday, feeling great. The second part of his latest tweet was, 
Don't be afraid of COVID. Hey, where have we heard that before? From Richard Bartlett in this show. Don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. I feel better than I did 20 years ago. This is fabulous. This is what I was talking about. The president is going to be living proof of the American people that we've been played by this shutdown of America that we did not need to have under COVID, which is, of course, serious. And yes, we take care of ourselves. And yes, we follow doctor's instructions if we, if we get sick. But we don't have to be afraid. We do not have to live in fear. This was a fabulous outcome and a fabulous backfiring if there was anything intentional about all these level, Trump high-level people getting on board, uh, high-level people contracting coronavirus, but still on board with the Trump agenda, the Trump mission, just the whole upbeat pro-America message of Trump. So here you have Trump coming home today, back to the White House, and, and actually back to the crowds I was showing you a minute ago. So they're outside. This has been going on all night, all day, outside Walter Reed, people with flags and Trump signs and cars and honking. So one thing President Trump did, and you likely saw it, was he had his presidential limousine pick him up. And he, so he's in his limousine, in the back seat, with glass, you know, partition between him and the driver in front, with a mask on, and he actually did a circle around Walter Reed Hospital, waving so that people could see him. People outside the hospital who were out there cheering and waving Trump signs and flags, President Trump gets in his limousine and waves to them. It is the spirit, God bless that man, the spirit of a man who's saying, you know what, I'm going to say yay to these people. Thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting me. Thank you for cheering me on. Thank you for the well wishes for getting better. He also apparently ordered pizza for them. He ordered pizza to be brought in because they're hanging out there like, I don't know, all day, all night. Order food out there. This is a guy who is just I mean, if ever there was an effort to take him down or all of the ghouls on the left who were kind of half hoping that this would be the demise of President Trump, I just love his spirit. He's saying, you know what? Actually, I'm going to cruise around, wave to them, and I'm sending pizza. This is a guy who's not going to be pushed around by the hatred of the left or by the ill wishes of the left, and he is reinforcing everything the American people love about him. But a couple of things about our, our job as being uh, doing Operation MAGA ourselves. I want to just kind of tell you something. I, um, I, I've thought many times about this, I, um, about how, we, how, how to characterize the battle in election 2020. I often say it's about America and not America. It's about continuing America the free, the great, America the land of liberty founded, you know, for our founding documents describing what we are. So the America the Great, or going over the cliff of the radical left socialist movement that has completely overtaken the Democrat Party. That's one way I describe it. But there's a whole other mindset that I love and I sense it in the supporters of President Trump. And it really, on the people on the right, when you see people just truly worked up outside the hospital, Walter Reed Hospital, waving flags, Trump flags and American flags and honking and cheering and cheering on the president. Part of what those people are saying, and I love this message, but part of what they are saying is America pleads not guilty to all of the ugly accusations the American left makes against this country. Did you ever stop to think about what messages came out of all of that, however many it was, 35 candidates, it wasn't really 35, but the people who ran for president on the Democrat side, the entire competition among all of those people who ran for president on the Democrat side this time 
was who could be more insulting toward the American people? Who could be more accusatory of the American people? Who could castigate the American people for racism, xenophobia, homophobia, every other hatred, evil? The entire message of the American left is one big, fat, ugly accusation against the American people. They run on the platform that America is so just, just filled with evil and racism and hatred and intolerance and greed and bigotry. This is the picture the American left paints of the American people. And because they paint that picture, it justifies the radical power grabbing mission the left has. Because they, they accuse the American people of being so bad, so evil, so racist, so terrible, Everything they want to do, every bit of power-grabbing effort the American left wants to make is justified because look at the big problem they have to fix. Look at all of the evil inside the, American, uh, the, the country of America that the left has now pointed out that everybody better get on board, giving them all the power they need to fix it. And I think the massive support for President Trump Back in 2016, when he was running the first time, the rallies he's had throughout his, his presence, his first term, the rallies you see outside of Wall Street Hospital, one big message you're hearing from the American people is, is the message to the American left, to the Democrat Party. We, the American people, are not guilty of all of the garbage you hurl at us. We are not guilty of the accusations you make against us. America is not a deeply horrific racist country. America is not a deeply hateful country. We are not a country filled with greed. We're not a country filled with bigotry. America is better than what the left claims you are and you, what you really see in this just, just effusive uh, support for the president is, is support for his message of love of America Praise for America, praise it for the American people. This is what you hear out of, this is what you hear from President Trump and his just love of America and you, what you're hearing from the supporters of him who are so sickened by the messages of the American left is we plead not guilty to what you are saying about us. We're not the ugly nation you say we are. So on that notion, I want to just uh, give you some examples of when I say what the left does is try to penetrate or permeate every aspect of American society and culture with ugly messages about America, with accusations about Western civilization, accusations against the American people. And I'm gonna give you some kind of unique examples of that because I think what's really happening is you see Americans waking up and saying, no, we're not doing that anymore. We're not going to accept that accusation. So just a small story to start with, but you probably saw the NBA. Now, I should, if you listen to my show, you know, because I've talked about this before, our family, we love sports. We, are, we love the NBA. We love basketball. We love football. Kind of you know, okay with baseball. Not big baseball fans, but we love professional sports. You know, we have my husband, our two sons. Very, we, we love sports. But in the recent years, when you say, especially since President Trump came along and has just been just the sunlight of truth, on what the left is all about, what has happened in our culture is a rising determination on the left to accuse America of being a bad country, filled with evil people, filled with racists, filled with haters, filled with greedy people. 
And so the NBA got on board with the Black Lives Matter message. And again, Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization which when it first came out, were first formed and created its website full of all of his Marxist agenda, flat out saying destruction of the nuclear family, uh, massive socialist programs they were supporting, massive big government control over everything. As the American people started tuning in and reading the website, many black Americans said, well, I don't want that. I don't want us to be, I, I like the nuclear family. I like freedom. I like capitalism. So the Black Lives Matter movement has changed and morphed and hidden its identity, changed its website. But the fact is Black Lives Matter is a radical Marxist organization. And even though it's taken all those, those agenda items off of its website, doesn't mean that they have changed their agenda. That's who they are. The radical Marxist leftists. That's who Black Lives Matter is. And more and more Americans can see that. And more and more Americans utterly resent the broad-based, broad-brush accusation against the American people that we are a deeply racist country. They do not want to, they are pleading not guilty to that accusation of the American left. So NBA comes along and, you know, we had the COVID shutdown, then they finally get going again. And you have Black Lives Matter painted on the floor of most of the gyms, on people's shirts. Uh, I mean, they're the shirts they wear where they're playing. You have all sorts of Black Lives Matter messaging and And the American people have figured out that when someone says black lives matter, of course, every person's life matters. Every individual's life matters. The life of black Americans, white Americans, every skin color, race, hue, ethnicity, national origin, everyone's life matters. But the the movement called Black Lives Matter is a Marxist movement intended to take down America and its foundational freedom. And it's also an organization because that is the mission of the left to utterly radically transform America. They go after America. They attack America by calling America racist. The Black Lives Matter movement is premised on the lie that America is a deeply, horribly, racially uh, ugly country, intolerant country. And more and more Americans are saying not guilty, not guilty. We are not what you say we are. So the NBA, just one example of the American people said pleading not guilty to the false accusations of the left is how bad their ratings are. For the NBA Finals game, uh, two rate, excuse me, NBA Finals game two ratings crash, meaning reduction of people willing to sit there and watch the NBA play with a Black Lives Matter message everywhere, crashed by 68%, the least watched finals game in history. This is one way the American people are saying, not guilty. We're not going to accept this. We're not going to to accept the accusation you're making against us and pretend it's okay to say that. Not going to do it. So they're shutting that down. It's the American people pleading not guilty to what the left is saying about America. Another, and this is another story. It gets a little bit more um, involved, but it's a really good example of what I'm talking about today. What the left tries to do in our country is seize on history, long ago history. That's what the 1619 Project of the New York Times seize on long ago history of wrongdoing, the slave trade or slavery in America. Seize on long ago history to justify their tyrannical Marxist power grab of today. What the left is doing, it's very important to understand this, the left is using 
genuinely wrong things, really bad things that happened a long time ago, ancient history, 1619 slave trade, slavery in our country has been gone since 1865. But the left capitalizes on ancient history to justify its Marxist power grab in America today. And the point of what they're doing is to get you so worked up about ancient history and what happened in the past that you're surrendering your liberty. You're saying, oh, okay, well, now that you're pointing out how bad this is, sure, tell me what I have to do to fix it. Oh, surrender my livelihood, surrender everything I have, give, all, give everything away to the government, just let the government tell me if I'm allowed to get out of bed in the morning, where I'm allowed to work, what I'm allowed to do. The left is engaged in a Marxist power grab of our country. They're using race as the ploy to get you to surrender. Now I want to turn and tell you the most interesting story. And I honestly, this came across my, uh, I, I became aware of it because I have a good friend who works in the very high end, um, you know, food, the, the, you know, very high end food magazines and the, uh, the, the, uh, the writing and the thinking that goes into the very high end cuisine and the sommeliers and the, and the analysis of wine and fine food. And so it's a whole industry, of course, which I don't know a lot about, but I have a friend who works in it. And she sent me this article, and she's talking about, this goes to my point about the left is attempting at every level of American society to permeate uh, with seemingly non-political topics, you know, like what kind of food tastes good, who has the best recipes, who's got the best new restaurant, you know, what kind of spices are popular in restaurants. A seemingly non-political topic, but leftists have managed, even in this context, in the high-end cuisine, uh, you know, food and wine industry, to introduce their endless, relentless racial accusation against Western civilization. The quick story is this. So there's a apparently very successful high-end uh, woman who is a very successful, um, uh, I guess she has cookbooks and she's a chef. Her name is Allison Roman. Alison Roman. So she writes books and she has, she has recipes she's famous for and she tells people about them. So she's under attack for, and this is their terms, the colonization of spices. Colonization of spices, seriously, and ethnic erasure. And why she is now in the doghouse with the radical left is because she loves to tout delicious food. And so she talks about, you know, food that has spices that came from India. So she'll talk or a, a really wonderful uh, Indian spice market she found so in England or London or wherever it was. So she can talk about this. This fabulous market has these spices and this is really unique. And you put this spice in this recipe. She's all into food. She's a great cook, a chef, I guess. But the point of it is, even in the arena, in the arena of chefs and cuisine and, and high-end wines, political correctness, the intolerance, the, the endless effort of leftists in this world to use ancient history to justify their, their just relentless political correctness, relentless attack on Western civilization, she's under attack and she is being She's being accused and written about as though she's just the most intolerant person ever because she's talking about spices that came from India without giving due recognition to the ancient history of the fact 
that during the course of her uh, of these spices coming to the Western civilization, coming to uh, what was then the UK, was the, the big you know, shipping industry that, that brought spices from India. She's being attacked for writing great recipes and touting great, great uh, spice markets in UK because she doesn't genuflect an apology for the fact that centuries ago, when she was not around, other people who were not around suffered in the course of the development of the Silk Road and the transmission of these of the of Indian spices, and so they have they 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 talk about her. She's using ingredients. This is a criticism of her using ingredients like cardamom, harissa, blah blah blah, listing them all, and never acting as though she understands these components come with cert, certain cultural traditions attached. Why doesn't she mention? cultural traditions about spices. I'm getting at the point, my friends, getting at the point that the left uses every single aspect of American life of Western culture to push their message that they, because that ancient conduct that has nothing to do with anyone alive today is to be, you, you can beat people over the head, you can accuse them of being intolerant, they use race, ethnicity, all these arguments to attack Western civilization, to undermine Western civilization, undermine Western culture, and even a chef. So my friend who's telling me this story, she's sending me these articles talking about how it's become so impossible to be a conservative in the arena of food and wine and high, high culture cuisine because you're supposed to be not, if you are involved in that all, you should be critical of America, should be critical of the UK, should be critical of people who anciently, hundreds of years ago, were involved in the transmission of spices from one country to another. The whole concept of introducing, just torturing the, the fun and beauty of enjoying good food with political correctness, with political attacks, cultural attacks, attacks of culture insensitivity, I mean, you just can hardly stand, hardly stand how the left uses everything back to their political message of hatred of the West, hatred of Western civilization, hatred of America, hatred, hatred of anyone uh, who isn't, isn't somehow a person of color. And I know that was a little bit of a ramble. You might be saying, can we get to the point here? But I'll tell you what the point is. We have to be alert as defenders of America, defenders of Western civilization, defenders of freedom, defenders of the greatness of America, to recognize that leftists in this world have used the education system in our country from pre-K through graduate school. They have used culture. They have used Hollywood. They have used everything in media. All of it is always about the leftist agenda to undermine America, Western civilization, freedom, and the goodness of the American people, including even in the food and wine world. So to be a fighter, to be part of Operation MAGA, call out idiocy like that in every aspect of your life. Call it out. Stand up for the goodness of America. Do not let this kind of garbage happen, it, whether, it's in the, whether it's in the culture, cuisine, you know, high wine, the high cuisine kind of world, or any other place it is, whether it's NBA, it is cuisine, any other aspect of life, call out what the left is doing to America. Call out what the left is doing to our culture, diminishing the beauty and greatness of it, all under the guise of we just want to expose so you understand. The left is using ancient history, 
ancient history, when things did happen that weren't, were obviously terribly wrong, race, uh, you know, slavery, and, and the, all the business with the Silk Road, the left uses ancient history to dupe the American people into accepting their Marxist agenda. And the only people standing in the way are people like us who see what they're doing. Don't even give them an inch. And on that topic, last thing I want to hit today, and this is a, you know, it's a very, I, I've been kind of chomping at the bit wanting to get to this story and, and talk about it again, but, and that has to do with this, um, should we call out or why denounce white supremacy? Why denounce white supremacy? And I want to explain something that I think is really important to understand. If you remember, at the very first presidential debate, just last week, President Trump debating Joe Biden and that, you know, horrible commentator, horrible moderator, Chris Wallace, who gets away with murder because he looks like Poindexter and he seems so innocent. He doesn't sound angry. He just seems kind of like intellectual. And he's a leftist who used that debate to pummel Trump and to prop up Biden. That's all he did. That's why, that's why he, was, he agreed to do the debate. The questions were so obnoxiously supportive of Biden and critical of Trump. But I want to get the one question he asked about white supremacy. You may recall that during that debate, Chris Wallace, again, as though this hasn't been a topic like, of like 150 news stories at least, Chris Wallace came back to, and Trump and said, you know, um, Joe Biden, you said you launched your presidential campaign because you were so upset that President Trump said, you know, that there were good people on both sides on the white supremacy debate, which is not what he said. And Chris Wallace knows that's not what President Trump said. And Joe Biden knows that's not what President Trump said. But Wallace repeats a lie. Biden, of course, goes along. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so he goes back to President Trump and says, can you denounce white supremacy? Let's put a comma there. And I want to tell you a couple really, really, really important things to understand. Because, and the reason I'm doing that is not just to hash over the last debate, because that's over, thank God, but we're going to apparently have another one on October 15th. And for reasons unknown to say in America, somehow when you have the Presidential Debate Commission come up with who they're agreeing, the sides agree to be commentators, the next moderator, the Chris Wallace of debate number two on October 15th, is another Biden bootlicking drool leftist who is going to be the one doing this moderating. So, the, I mean, the idea this is going to be fair questions this time is absurd. you got a Biden guy named Steve Scully, who formerly, he's intern for Biden. He's a leftist, uh, Biden-supporting guy. Somehow we're stuck with him as a moderator for the second debate. I think the third debate should have to, I don't know, me or maybe Tucker Carlson, somebody who is conservative, given that we have to put up with two leftists. But anyway, I want to talk about this white supremacy thing. I want to mention something really, really important. Uh, in the past, in my life, I have worked with candidates, helping them with messaging, helping them moving forward as they're going to be running for a political office. I have gone with candidates to training by some of the top premier messaging, you know, candidate training people who help candidates understand how to speak, help them hone their message, help them come up with what message they think they want to have, uh, they want associated with their campaign, help them understand how to respond to questions, help them understand how to respond to very hostile reporters and questions from um, anyone. 
And the point of it is I've been to those trainings and I've listened to how these very highly trained professionals teach candidates about speaking to the public, teach candidates about how you respond when you get accusatory questions. And I'm gonna tell you something really important. Do you remember when Richard Nixon, his famous line after Watergate was exposed, after the fact that he had erased 17 seconds or whatever it was, and the recording in his office was exposed, and President Nixon's famous line, I am not a, and if I were speaking in person, I would say fill in the blank, and everyone in the whole room would say crook. President Nixon said, I am not a crook. If you ask anyone what, what he is remembered for, besides the endless resigned in disgrace, people will say, oh yeah, he's the one who said, I'm not a crook. What they remember was, President Nixon talked about crook. And this gets around to what I'm talking about in, in training people about how to speak. When, you, when candidates are taught and, and just talked to about how they should respond to accusations, especially false accusations, a key lesson is you don't repeat the accusation against yourself. If someone says, you know, are you an embezzler? Are you a bank robber? You don't answer, I am not an embezzler. I am not a bank robber. You don't do that because what the public remembers is, what did that person talk about? Oh yeah, he said something about being a bank robber or embezzler. People remember the words coming out of your mouth. They, they associate them with you. And so you're taught to answer more along the lines of saying, I have always conducted my affairs honestly. I have always conducted my relations with my campaign or, or with that organization with the highest integrity. I have always followed the law. Those kind of statements. You don't repeat the accusation. You have to understand. Please, you can take it to the bank. Believe me, when Chris Wallace made that, asked that question of President Trump in that debate, he is trying, he is drooling to get President Trump to say the words white supremacy. That's his point. That's the reason he asked the question. He's not asking the question to give the president the opportunity once and for all to say, I am not a white, I do not support white supremacy. He is trying to get the president to say those words. This is what his mission was. And President Trump knows this, and Chris Wallace knows this, and Joe Biden knows this, and everybody else who's ever been in politics knows this. And so you have the president aware of what Chris Wallace is trying to do, trying to attach the label of white supremacists to President Trump. Now, President Trump has, on I think it's like 17 occasions or some crazy number like that, President Trump has said numerous times, when I said, Good people on both sides. I'm talking about people who support taking, tearing down Civil War era statues of people who serve in the South and people who are against tearing down statues. He said, I'm talking about people who support pulling down statues, people who support leaving them in place. That's what I, that's what I was talking about when I said, when I said that I, they're the good people on both sides. President Trump has said this over and over and over. His spokesmen have said this. His, his supporters have said this. It is not like President Trump hasn't denied that. And Chris Wallace knows this. 
The next guy, I, I can almost guarantee you, the next guy, this Steve Scully guy, who in the world knows why we agreed to that, but Steve Scully is going to find some way to again work that in and understand they're not working it in because they're trying to get a straight answer out of President Trump. He's already answered over and over and over and over. They're trying to force him to utter those words because they know the same thing that all the top-notch trainers in the country know, that you, try, that you don't repeat words, accusations against yourself, because what people will take away is, oh, that's what they are. Now, so that's the first point I wanted to make about this. It's so important to understand. Second point on this whole um, white supremacist thing and Kenosha, you recall the context, Chris Wallace is saying, well, you know, in Kenosha, blah, 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 blah. And people, another lie, the left has worked into the entire American political conversation and no one on the Democrat media mob left will ever call them out. But the whole incident in Kenosha involving the young man, Kyle Rittenhouse, had nothing to do with white supremacy. Nothing. I want to urge you, if you haven't seen this video, on my website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, drop down list of links, you can watch an 11-minute video. An 11-minute video that covers the entire incident and explains the incident that occurred in Kenosha with this young man, Kyle Rittenhouse, eventually firing a weapon. He was there to try to defend the property being destroyed by rioters. He also happened to be a trained medic and was also there to help people if they had been injured. He was there to be a supporter of law and order to keep the violent mob from destroying property and hurting people. Nothing that happened in Kenosha had anything at all to do with white supremacy. And Chris Wallace knows that. And Joe Biden knows that. And Donald Trump knows that. And everybody in the ground knows that. But what you had in Chris Wallace, the most despicably dishonest question, and there were a lot of them, despicably dishonest question was an attempt to reaffirm a media lie that Kenosha violence was tied to white supremacy, had nothing to do with it, and the lie to try to attach that label to President Trump. So I urge you to go to my website, americachemitalk.org, on the homepage, and under shows, drop down list of links, listen to the 11-minute video about Kyle Rittenhouse, because you have to understand how much the first debate was a setup by Chris Wallace, an attempt to set up President Trump into cornering him. When they accuse, when they accuse, um, they ask President Trump to denounce white supremacy, you have to understand they are making an accusation of him to him. This is why they ask the question. They're trying to make him say it. They're making an accusation. And President Trump, after having the 17 or more times he has denounced it and denied it and rejected it, does not have to continue playing that game with them. Related to that, but we're out of time, so I can't get into it today. But related to that, all of this effort to pull back from the uh, previously very, very popular uh, effort of the American left to uh, spread critical race theory, which was essentially a, a theory which has nothing to it at all, no intellectual content, no academic, no history, no nothing other than critical race theory was something cooked up by leftists as another means of dividing America along the lines of race. Critical race theory is 
directly intended to divide America along the lines of race and to paint America as a racist country. It's the entire purpose of that theory, nothing else. And so President Trump wisely decided we're not doing this. Again, tied to what the left tries to do in this whole white supremacy thing, the left in this country uses very long ago incidents to justify the radical Marxism they're trying to impose on America today. They work very hard to divide America along racial lines, very hard to engender hatred and suspicion between the races in America. And this is what you have the left in this country doing in this election cycle in 2020. And you have President Trump standing up for the idea of America and the goodness of America. You know, in closing, I'm gonna go in just one moment why it matters to you. I wanna tell you that Katie Hopkins was uh, in town last week and so she joined me in the studio. And one thing she said in that interview that has just resonated, I can't tell you people I hear from talking about it, but just resonated was the idea that what you're really being invited to do in this election cycle and coming behind President Trump, you're being invited to come home to America. You're being invited to shut out the hatred, the division, the anger, the accusations against America spewing out of left-wing America and come home to the idea of America, to come home to the love of America, to come home to the goodness of America. That's what the right in this country stands for today. That's what President Trump stands for. That's what America is. And that is the invitation of the America of people who are supporting President Trump and of the Republican Party has come home to the goodness of America and reject all the ugly divisiveness the left is trying to bring. If you didn't see that uh, video, the interview, go to our YouTube page for America Can We Talk or any of the other social media places you hear this show and listen to the interview with Katie Hopkins. It was pretty fun, pretty stellar. I love her positive message. As she goes around the country supporting President Trump, one of her main messages is, her main points, main messages is that we need to come back to the love of America, come home to the side that loves this country, that's trying to unite this country and not divide this country. Put the division of the left to the side, ignore them, reject them, refute them, do not play along with them, do not get sucked into their, into their game of division, come home to the greatness and uniqueness of America. I close out every show by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. And so we started out today, first of all, talking about Trump's COVID crowds uh, and why it matters to you. A presidential message of vigor and recovery and thankfulness for unsolicited public support is the essence of normalcy and positivity. But the left is triggered, angry, obsessed. Oh, they were so critical of him for getting in the car or going riding around in the limousine. Um, with a lack of submissiveness to COVID fear-mongering, Michigan Governor Whitmer determined to enforce lockdowns despite her own state Supreme Court declaring them unconstitutional. This is un-American, out-of-control tyranny. Trump's emerging recovery, along with many others in the White House GOP circles, is putting fresh emphasis on recoveries, mild COVID cases, and effective treatments. Will there be a new impetus for ending lockdowns Will the helter-skelter pursuit of a vaccine slow down? Let us hope. The COVID overreaction has been obvious for months. Americans are awake. And an Operation MAGA for everyone? Trump boat parades, car parades, Walter Reed street gatherings, 
fresh air stirring. Americans are tired of humoring the leftist nonsense. America is not guilty of all the leftist accusations against America as systemically racist or systemically flawed in any way. Americans are turning out the <clears throat> tuning out the politicized China compromised NBA in droves. The 2020 vote is increasingly seen as number one for America or number two for the leftist destruction of America. It is that simple. The latest leftist insanity, celebrity chef Allison Roman hit with charges of colonization and ethnic erasure due to endorsement of spices without denunciation of all things Western that may have led to the discovery and appreciation of these spices. It's getting ridiculous, ignorant, and stupid, and Americans are tiring of it. And on why denounce white supremacy? President Trump is on record more than 20 times, including in the first Trump-Biden debate, denouncing white supremacism and white supremacists. But the mainstream media never stops asking for another denunciation because it is a form of accusation. Forced denunciations are right out of the communist brainwashing playbook. Long-standing PR advice, don't deny the accusation by repeating them. The famous Richard Nixon, I am not a crook. Trump is not a racist. He was always an above racism cultural icon in the black community until he ran for president as Republican. Kenosha was not about white supremacy. 11 minutes of video now going viral on Kyle Rittenhouse shows that he was about self-defense and defense of Kenosha from armed outside agitators who wanted to kill him. White supremacy as Kyle Rittenhouse's motive is a made up fraud of the mainstream media. Chris Wallace disgraced himself in his false portrayal, portrayal of Kenosha. And now the next debate moderator is another former Biden bootlicking intern. Americans are fed up with this complete farce of journalism. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America?